This is Katie Prejean McGrady, and this is Ave Explores. Earlier this week, I was cooking dinner, you know, like I normally do on a weeknight. And I had the NBC Nightly News on in the background that I'm like kind of half listening and a commercial started and it had Christmas music in the background and, and we can hear them all talking about the, the big Black Friday sales that are going to be happening at Target and how those sales are happening early. And of course, they're they're talking about, you know, making sure that you're ready for Christmas. And my three year old is playing in her playroom and she hears those words Christmas and she comes running into the into the kitchen and she goes, Mommy, is it Christmas? I said, no, no, Rose, it's not Christmas, not yet. We're still in ordinary time. And I hear my husband laugh from the other room, you know, just kind of this little guffaw. And he was like, I don't know if she knows what that is. And I said, well, she knows it's not Christmas. And I kind of had that in my head the, the rest of the day. You know, she knows it's not Christmas, at least if we tell her. Although if you walk into Target right now, and I'm guilty of doing this today, you could purchase any Christmas decor that you want. Everything from a tiny little felt Christmas tree, which I got, to a throw pillow, which I got, to candy canes, which I may or may not have already bought. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, I thought this was a season about the saints and not liturgical celebrations or the calendar or Katie's three-year-old, and you'd be correct. We are talking about the saints. And today, we're actually talking about how learning the stories of the saints and making the saints a priority within our family life, like we've already talked about with some of our other guests, can actually go hand in hand with ordering our family's rhythms and routines around the liturgical calendar, intentionally entering into Advent rather than just jumping straight from Halloween into Christmas, paying attention to All Saints Day as a day where we get to celebrate, looking at Halloween as All Hallows' Eve, not just a day for secular costumes, but a day to think about celebrating holy men and women and mocking those things which are evil and scary. Today's guest is somebody who's doing this with her four children, is doing this uh, in her writing, and shares with us some really incredibly practical things that we can do with our families to be more liturgically minded, but also talks a lot about how the saints are kind of an anchor for us to do this. But the saints themselves probably did this. Maybe not in the same popular way that liturgical living is done nowadays with color sheets or with decor for your home, but but in a, in a way, integrated the rhythms of the church into their life. That that's part of the journey to holiness, where we don't just go to church and do these things over there in that physical building with stained glass windows and Father on Sunday, but our domestic church, our homes, which we talked about last season on Ave Explorers, can be a place of worship and celebration of the things of the church. And when we look at the lives of the saints, whether it's a saint that we know really well or it's a saint that we've just gotten to know, maybe you listened to this season's episode with Meg Hunter Kilmer and she introduced us to so many incredibly new people uh, that many of us probably didn't know the stories of. As we get to know the saints, as we get to know their stories, as we bring them into our own family's story, something really remarkably uh, powerful can happen. And that is that the rhythm of your family life is no longer just ordered around go to school, come home, go to soccer practice, come home, fix dinner, get everybody to bed, hope they all stay asleep all night long, all valid and important things that need to be done from the soccer practice to the school day to the bedtime. But in fact, in the midst of that rhythm and and grind of daily life, the saints can become part of our family. Our guest today, Kariana Fry gives us some really cool insights into how her family does this. And even talks a little bit about why her family chose to homeschool, uh, why her kids all share one bedroom. That's pretty fascinating. What the rhythm of their life looks like. And I think it's a, it's a really profound and simple snapshot of a Catholic family striving, not just for holiness amongst themselves, but really trying to influence holiness within the world and sharing how the stories of the saints, the patron saints of the children, the patron saint of the family, how the stories of the saints help anchor their family. This is, of course, part of our Ave Explorer series on the saints. You can find all of that content over at AveMariaPress.com. We are two weeks in. We've got excellent articles, really cool social media posts on two saints, 
that I think one's very familiar to you and one's probably not as well known. We've got other episodes with some great guests talking about how the saints have influenced them, talking about how the stories of the saints have led them uh, to pursuits of holiness, the likes of which they maybe never knew. We've had two excellent Facebook Live conversations with Lisa and Kevin Cotter and Bonnie Engstrom. Those are available on the Ave Maria Press Facebook page. And of course, we've got today's conversation about the intersection between knowing the stories of the saints and living liturgically with our families. So I hope you enjoy today, and I hope you head on over to AveMariaPress.com to look at all of the content that we've created for you. And enjoy today's episode with my friend, Cariana Fry. Cariana, thanks so much for joining us on Ave Explorers. I am so happy to be here, Katie. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Now you look like you're in comfy clothes in a in a room that you just told me was a multi-purpose room. So where are you coming from um, and, and where are you in your house? Yes. Well, it is it is Saturday, so I am going to be officially in comfy clothes. I know I was thinking I should have maybe put on one of my fun uh, Halloween dresses for this. But... Well, we'll link to that in the show notes because I was definitely <laughs> following along yesterday for inspiration. <laughs> You know, I've got a thing for Halloween dresses. Um, but yes, no, I am in, we, you know, we we have a, a, a smaller house here in California. It's three bedrooms. And this year, earlier this year, we decided to put all the kids into one room. We have four children. So we have two bunks in, in one room. And then the third room, we turned it into our multi-purpose school room slash husband's office slash my writing space you know, kind of the the, uh, the all-purpose room. So that's where I am. Uh, we shifted some things around, so I'm a little bit backlit, but you know, it's it's cozy and it's quiet. And it really, you know, we made this change with the bedrooms before all of this happened with the pandemic. And mm. my husband works in insurance. And so he's been working from home since March. And really it was kind of a godsend that we already had this set up, yeah. you know, ready to go. And he could just seamlessly pop into this room. But yes, it is Saturday morning. Um, it is, uh, it's still fairly early here on yeah. the West Coast. And so I'm in my comfy, uh, my, my comfy sweatshirt from, uh, from Brickhouse in the City. I'm going to give her a little bit of a shout out. Yeah. It's her uh, sacred and immaculate sweatshirt. Oh, I love it. And I really like this. And it's funny, my, our four-year-old is now learning her letters. And so she likes to look at the letters and trace them in. And she has a whole issue with the, uh, the R and the, e and the E are kind of connected. So she sees the, uh, the E as an F because you know, uh-huh. the, the tail of the R is, is making the bottom. So she's very confused. But, uh, <laughs> you know, it's great for teaching letters. Yeah. And so I've got a nice uh, warm cup of coffee here because it's finally cooling down here in California. Yeah. Here it's too. a million degrees anymore. Here too. We, my husband came running into the bedroom this morning he said babe it's it's under 70 we're gonna make gumbo and I was like yeah just did that last week yeah it's gumbo weather here in Louisiana oh I love gumbo that that's one thing we actually make that during uh right right before Lent that that is our traditional Mardi Gras uh feast is you know we I make a big old pot of gumbo and jambalaya and we you know we just we party on uh on on fat Tuesday you said it correctly too jambalaya not jambalaya it it drives me crazy it's like yeah I know there's an a there but you're supposed to say it like a u it's a weird Louisiana thing well you know what my I have family from the south so that's probably you you know where it is I I learned how to pronounce certain words now there are certain we so a couple years ago um I'm from Wisconsin originally and the Wisconsin Badgers played LSU and there's this really funny video popping around so one of the fun things we talk about in wisconsin we have a lot of uh indigenous names for our cities Mm -hmm. and so a fun thing to do is have you know print off a name of a city and ask someone to pronounce it you know a fun one is is a a conimal walk yeah i lived Um, not far from a conimal walk i was hoping you'd say that yes okay well that's the classic one a conimal walk because there's a ton of vowels in that word (laughs) yeah yeah um but then there was a video of wisconsin fans trying to pronounce the names of louisiana cities and we we're trying to play along and we're just rolling because you there there are letters that that either don't make sounds or they make sounds that you've never heard of. <laughs> yeah. The word lagniappy, the we can lanyap or uh I don't even know how one would say Natchitoches. Natchitoches. I can't spell it. I just know how to say it. But I also can't say the word Worcestershire. Like I okay, can't yeah. I, I'd have to practice if I was ever to go on the East Coast around people without embarrassing myself. Right, because uh, I think they truncate it to just yeah. maybe two syllables. Yeah, <laughs> right. It's like there's a lot more to this word. <laughs> I want to ask you about your kids. How are they doing with the double bunks? What's their age range? 
Uh, they are. So we have we have three girls and a boy. So it's girl, girl, boy, girl. And so our oldest is 13. So we have 13, tw- uh, 13, 11, almost eight, and then four. And so people always wonder, you know, how does that work? I mean, yeah. aren't your girls looking for some privacy and how do they change? And we, we kind of have this idea of there are plenty of rooms to change in. So <laughs> and so there is, you know, they, they have worked out a way of. So when the girls are changing, you know, our son is he's off somewhere else. Yeah. Um, um, and we also really respect the bedroom as a sleeping space. So yeah. you should just be sleeping and changing in your bedroom. This is not a, a place to hide away and avoid your family. And that's one of the great things about small house living is that you you get used to having people around you. And yeah. that way, you know, when you do go to college or if you go to college, you end up having a roommate, there's not that that whole culture shock of there is, I am sharing a, you know, what a 15 square foot, mm-hmm. <laughs> maybe bigger, um, but you know, you're sharing this tiny space with another human and how yeah. to make this work. Um, and so it's really, we, we make sure that we're, we teach boundaries and respect of each other. And so with Fritz, he's, you know, he's the only boy and we tell him, you know, Hey, if your sisters are changing, give them a minute to change. And again, I mean, we've got plenty of closet spaces. So we, yeah. you know, we, we work things out and it's working really well. And it's nice having that bedroom just as the changing space, because then no one goes off and hides, you know, and right. I know, and I'm an introvert by nature. And I think you, there is a value to having, you know, your quiet spaces. And so our oldest, who's, who's 13, she's made a, she's actually developed her own, she, she put curtains basically or yeah. extra blankets around the bottom bunk. So she does have her little quiet space that she can, you know, read in, but yeah. generally, you know, even on downtime, the kids are just out and about and, you know, they don't hide, they don't hide in their bedrooms at all. I love that. I mean, our three-year-old has her own room and the infant is obviously in our room right now. Right. But eventually, I've often told my husband, I kind of want to put them in the same room together. My sister and I never shared a bedroom. And it was a bit of culture shock when I got to college. Because now it's, I went from my own space that I could hide away in. I had a TV in my bedroom in high school. And I've often told my husband, we're not, we're not doing that. Because not that my parents made a mistake in that regard. It was, I mean, I wasn't always in there. But I like this idea of the togetherness. And it's very, Mm -hmm. I think it's very Catholic that, that we as a family want to spend our common time with each other, not on devices, not hiding away. I mean, it doesn't mean that a person can't have their alone time. It's mm-hmm. a valuable thing. But I also love that the, your husband's office and your writing space is also the schoolroom. Y'all homeschool. Right. We do. Yes, this is actually our first year homeschooling uh, many of the kids. So our our oldest, uh, she is doing, a, she, she does some distance learning. So she goes to a, a, a great little Catholic school here in the area and they're offering um, distance learning. So she does distance learning twice a week and then the rest of them are homeschool. And this was a big change for us because we were a public school family for, mm-hmm. for many, many years. And then I started teaching with um, a small Christian school that was meeting only twice a week and they're using the, uh, the classical uh, curriculum and mm-hmm. I just fell in love with it I never I remember kids taking the classics programs in college and I'm like what are they I mean I was a science major I hung out down actually I was in agricultural science so I hung out down by the farm kids <laughs> um, and I would see you know the classics buildings and and I never knew what that meant I'm like what are classics and so when I found out about that I just first discovered the classical curriculum I just fell in love with it I love mm-hmm. the basis uh, so we were based in Latin and just the the books that are read these are great books um, and so I decided this year, especially with, with the pandemic, um, schools here, the public schools here are not meeting in person. They were already going to be going to distance learning and distance learning did not work for us very well in the spring. Mm-hmm. It was just really, really a, a big headache. And I want my kids to always have a love of, love, learn, a love of learning, which is, that's what was instilled in me, a great love of learning. And I could see that they, that learning was becoming a chore. It wasn't mm-hmm. that fun bit of discovery. It was, okay, I've got to log in here and i got to make sure that I'm not getting distracted. And so we, uh, we prayed on it because it was, I always said I would never homeschool my kids because I would be a terrible homeschool um, mom. And we prayed on it and we said, all right, we'll give it a go. And if it's terrible, we can always change our minds. And it has been <laughs> such a blessing for our family. Yeah. I mean, it, and I mean, it, there, I mean, and I f- fully understand that we do have a bit of privilege that allows us to do so because mm-hmm. I don't have to work full time. My my position is a part time position, and that gives me freedom to write and volunteer and do the million and one other things that I do. Um, but it was 
it, it really is, it is still a, a bit of a, of a, of a change for our mm-hmm. families to have, you know, everything in one space, but yeah. I, I wouldn't go back. And I'm imagining, you know, you've, you switched from a public school in California mm-hmm. to homeschool with this classical basis. I went to the university of Dallas. So great okay. books. You're speaking my language, yeah, right? Yes. Like that's, yes. that's what we do there. Um, how did you start to incorporate faith more into, I mean, obviously you're already a very Catholic home, or probably mm-hmm. already took that very seriously, but how did that start to manifest more in the home day-to-day life uh, with, especially with homeschooling now? Well, it, it, that part was actually very seamless because we, we like to say that we're not, we're not just Catholic on Sundays. We are, we're a Catholic family every single day of the year. And even when my kids were in, in public school, they would kind of do a little, little evangelist evangelization with their friends, because talking about our faith, talking about Christ, talking about mother Mary, it's not abnormal. Mm -hmm. It's just, you know, part of, it's part of what we do. Um, our, our seasons, we really build our home around the, the liturgical calendars. We like to follow those rhythms and it's nice. I mean, how they match up with the rhythms of the season. So the fact that we're kind of going into the hollow tide, the hollow tide season with, uh, with all Hallows Eve. And I do like to call it all Hallows Eve and everyone else called it Halloween, but I just like that. I like that term, all Hallows Eve. Um, (laughs) it sounds spookier. If you're going to the scary, it definitely sounds eerie right in a, in a pretty way you know yes right right it's kind of like that gothic you know yeah. that, that, that gothic feel and <clears throat> being here in California we have a lot of friends of of Mexican descent and so they all celebrate celebrate uh, Dia de los Muertos and to be able to see how you have these commonalities among different cultures and how the the common thread is our our Catholic faith is yeah. just really beautiful and so adding in you know living because we live our, our life as faithful Catholics every day, it wasn't a big change to now have this, you know, this more Christian basis because we were already doing that, even though, you know, the kids school, even though their math may not have, have just been, you know, regular math, you can still, you know, bring in a little bit of Christianity into that. Absolutely. I, my husband is a science teacher in a public school. Okay. Um, And when they were in person and he'd write on the board, he'd always put JMJ on the top of his Mm -hmm. whiteboard, almost as like a secret code. Like they really knows what it means unless they ask, but he's Mm -hmm. giving the classroom over to the Holy family to protect these kids. Right. Um, I love it. And 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 I love it. It was subtle, but he loved it. Yeah. And I love that bit about the secret code because when you do have kids that do see it, they feel like they have a connection. It's like, wait a minute, my teacher also is Catholic. And so at our school, you know, before we do prayers, I always make the sign of the cross and our school is it's, you know, we have some, some Christian children, some non-Christian children, some Catholic, you know, it's, it's all over the place. Mm -hmm. Um, We have some, some families that don't have a faith tradition at all, but they love the curriculum. And so when I make the sign of the cross, you could, I mean, you could just see the kind of the light in the other Catholic kids are like, wait a minute, you can do that in public. Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, well, yes, you do that in public. <laughs> and it's just like drawing the fish, the ancient Christians, like there's right, this connection right. there. Yes. Wow. You're on the same team. Well, and I, this, this segue is perfectly into, so liturgical living, I always, I'm, you know, my kids are little still, so we're incorporating it. We celebrate our baptism feast days mm-hmm. and our, our baptism days and then our saint feast days and. You know, we do the Advent wreath and the Jesse tree. We do the big stuff. Right. But liturgical living is really, it becomes this idea of our, like you said, our family lives according to the rhythms of the church. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that important to you? Why do you think that that's something that families need to consider doing? And then, of course, incorporate some of this knowledge of the saints as we do that. Right. Well, I think that what, what's important about it is that it's, you know, when we tend to get comfortable we tend to get, we start kind of, we, we try to make this more eloquent. <laughs> One thing that living, uh, as far as the rhythms go, it, it does keep you from getting too, it gets keep you from getting too comfortable in mm-hmm. what you're doing. And we know that as humans, we like, we like change. You know, even those of us that don't really like huge changes, you don't want to get bored. And so one thing that I like about the liturgical living and living by the seasons is that it does, there's always something new that's coming in. And you're following, you know, even the, the seasons um, in nature. So right now we're, we're moving into our more dormant season, no matter where you are. I mean, again, we're here in California. And so that means that we might get three days of rain if we're lucky. That's our winter. <laughs> But you're moving into this more, this quiet, dormant season. And as we go through, you know, um, 
All Hallows Eve and then into All Saints Day and all, into All Souls Day, then we slide down into this, this time of preparation to Advent. And I actually love of how the Eastern church calls it, where it's, it's more of the little end where, yeah. so instead of looking at it as just you know, this Advent, this preparatory, which this is probably the hardest time of the year. And this was actually something that I grew up with. And I, I grew up with, I grew up in the Baptist church. I, mm-hmm. I'm actually a Catholic con- uh, convert, but I went to a German immersion school. And so we celebrated Advent um, because it's really, it's really big in German mm-hmm. culture. And so I grew up with Advent. And so I love this, this, this kind of slowing down and the preparatory nature of Advent. Mm-hmm. And that's what we really focus on here at home is that now, you know, we, we don't, I know if I have some friends that the, the day after Thanksgiving, they're out and they're getting their Christmas tree and their house is like Christmas just exploded. <laughs> and then their Christmas all throughout December. And then on December 26th, boom, Christmas is done. Yeah. And now you have this big gap until... St. Patrick's Day, maybe? Yeah, well, Mardi Gras in Louisiana. (laughs) Right, Right. yeah. Most most Louisianians just leave the tree up and take the Christmas stuff down and put the Mardi Gras stuff up. Yeah, well, I actually love that. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, purple gold uh, and green trees are a big deal down here. All right. But you're right, people just cut it short. They forget that it's a full octave and then 12 full days. Right, right, the 12 days of Christmas. And and then that's probably, and again, we talk about little secret codes and everything. The 12 days of Christmas, how that is not the 12 days leading up to Christmas. Right. Um, actually, if you want to do that, you want to look at the O antiphons, which is mm-hmm. my my personal favorite part of of Advent. And so we bring in the O antiphons. Yeah. Um, but if you want to do twelve days of Christmas, you're starting that you know on Christmas Day. This is where people kind of debate: is it on Christmas Day or is it on the twenty sixth? <laughs> and I think you know what, God is outside of time and space. It's okay. <laughs> yeah. We can fudge that one 24-hour period. Eight. We can figure that out. Um, but to sing, and so that's another thing that we do. I know I've kind of jumped ahead to uh, the, the Christmas season, so I'll, I'll go back to Advent. But, you know, we, we like to sing. We'll sing one verse of the 12 days of Christmas every day of the 12 days of Christmas leading up through, through Epiphany. Um, but, you know, moving back into Advent, you know, it's, I think it's important for kids to also know that there is a separation uh, between the Thanksgiving season mm-hmm. and the Christmas season, that there is this time of preparation because you figure Mother Mary, she was getting right to the end of her pregnancy. And for those of us who have been pregnant, you know how hard that last <laughs> month is. Yeah. You are just, you're done with life. <laughs> you just want to sit on the sofa. You're tired. <laughs> this child is heavy. And then you think of her, you know, riding, having to ride on a donkey, mm-hmm. <laughs> very, very pregnant. Um, to go for a census, you know, for, for this, this, uh, this thing that she has to do. And it it helps us to, to focus on, you know, what was going on, what was going on behind the scenes in our earth before our savior arrived, Mm -hmm. you know, what was, how, how was our, I mean, how we were riddled, you know, riddled with sin and we're kind of feeling hopeless. And then suddenly there is this little, you know, ray of hope bouncing along on a donkey in his mother. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and she's like super pregnant, but even when you're super pregnant, you don't want that baby to come too early because there's right. stuff to do, right? Like there's you got to get the to house do. together. There's nesting, there's, yes. you know, the, mm-hmm. for health purposes. So it's like, it's a catch 22 of, I really want right. Christmas, but I also know that I need to wait because mm-hmm. this is, this is what's prescribed in the church and her wisdom gives us right. this time to prepare. And truly, and I like, and I like the idea of it. It's a time to prepare your hearts. You know, it's and the church has given us these these two feasts, or sorry, these two uh, these two fasting points before huge feasts um, to really prepare your heart to celebrate. Mm-hmm. Because if you're always in a celebratory mood, you're always celebrating, always on. You're going to crash, and it's not going to be fun anymore. Yeah. And we want our faith to always be rich and part of our, our house. And if you're always, you know, operating at a 10, you're going to burn out. And oh, yeah. I think we, we tend to just rush through. I mean, my, my kids, they, they know my feelings on it and they've started echoing it. You know, we've just recently started going into retailers and they've got Christmas up already. And already. Like, yeah. Halloween hasn't even, hasn't even finished. And Funny enough, I, I don't know if this is 100% true, but one of our favorite films is The Nightmare Before Christmas. And we have yeah. this whole ongoing debate. Is this a Halloween movie <laughs> or is this a Christmas movie? And we've decided that since the events happen before Christmas, it's an Advent movie. 
I love that. Let's just totally reclassify it. We'll call Disney yes. tomorrow and say this it's, needs to go into yeah. its own section on yes, Disney+. Plus. Advent. <laughs> yeah. But I guess Tim Burton first wrote the poem that this that became the movie because of this, that whole smashing, that juxtaposition of Halloween and Christmas right you, next to yeah. other. Oh, and yeah. And we, we forget... Came. We forget Thanksgiving. We forget right. Election Day. We forget it all. It just all kind of, mm-hmm. I admit that I went to Target the other day and may or may not have bought some new hearth and hand Christmas decor because oh, it already cute. put it out. Right. And, and you, know you want to get it. It's going to be sold. I'll put it away. Mm-hmm. I hid it in a bag that, of course, the toddler already found. And she's right. begging to put up some of this <laughs> stuff. And it's like, no, no, no. Mommy's got fall leaves that are going to go up first. And then we're going to get to the, the wreath. I want to ask you, you know, you've got four kids. You've been doing this for 13 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What would maybe be a, um, a way for people who are listening that want to start incorporating it? What's a good way to start? Like what, what's step one besides like reading a book or listening to a podcast? Like what's one thing I could do maybe in the next 10 to 15 days after hearing this to yeah. make my family more liturgically focused? I would think in the next 10, I would pick a start point. And actually, frankly, I love Advent as a start point because that's the beginning of our church, our church uh, calendar yeah. year anyway. So, you know, get, I, I would think if you wanted to start liturgical living, uh, two points, start small, don't do all the things. <laughs> you know, I, I have a very, a very dear friend here in the area and I, and I love her and she, she's actually my inspiration for, for liturgical living. Um, and I, I just love everything that she does and we, we don't do everything. Mm-hmm. because every family is going to be very different. And so you can, I mean, there's beautiful books out there. Um, there's a classic, uh, Maria Von Trapp probably wrote the original yeah. um, around the around the year. So you have that. And then I will give a shameless plug for my friend Kendra. She yeah. has her Catholic all year, which um, is a great another resource. And then she also has the individual booklets. Um, there's no, there's no shame in plugging your friends, by the way. No, of course not. Of course not. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she's, she's definitely my, my liturgical living, uh, inspiration, but I also know, again, we have two different families. And so when people want to start incorporating more of their Catholic culture into their daily lives, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, Advent is the great time to start, you know, because again, it's the new church year. It is a time it's quiet. So you're not trying to jump into a giant, you know, party time. And you can easily build every year. And so I would say for someone looking to start with church living, start with Advent. And maybe this year it's just looking, it's, it's getting an Advent wreath. Mm-hmm. And the Advent wreath is wonderful because it has candles. And if you have kids, you know how much kids like candles. Oh, yeah. <laughs> You know, and it's just, it's a beautiful way to also show this increasing light as we get closer to Christmas. Mm-hmm. So in our family, we have our Advent wreath on the table and we light it during our dinner. And so that first week of Advent, we have all the lights dimmed and we'll light the one can- candle. And so dinner's pretty dark, you know, it's, yeah. it's pretty dark in the room and the days are getting shorter. Again, we can see all this reflection in this, in the, uh, the natural world also. And then, which reminds me of something else I want to talk about later, <laughs> but um, you have this, the signal candle and then week two, you're lighting two candles and then you get to Gaudete Sunday, you're lighting three candles. And, th- and that's it. That's the rose candle. You know, everyone likes to say, oh, look at our priest is wearing a rose rest- vestments and there's rose and we're, we're getting a little bit brighter. And then once you get to that fourth Sunday, now you have all four candles lit and the, the, you can see the, the, the light difference in your room from that first week as you get closer and closer to Christmas. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I would say, you know, start with, with the Advent wreath tradition. I mean, it's a beautiful tradition. It, it is easy decoration. Simple. Yeah. Um, and then also to tie along with that, if you wanted to even go a little, uh, one step further with me would be to do, we call it progressive decorating. So that first week of Advent, you only have a couple Christmas decorations up and you slowly decorate your house going up through Christmas. Yeah. I have not gotten my husband on board with waiting to decorate the tree until December 24th. <laughs> so, you know what? We kind of, we, we have to, I did get him to, to go along with buying a tree later in the year because he grew up with you buy the tree on Thanksgiving or yeah, the day Friday after Thanksgiving. After Thanksgiving yeah. So we did, we compromise. We get our tree a little bit later, usually around the second week of Advent, mm-hmm. and then we decorate it right then. So, you know, yeah. it's all it's all about finding balance in, in, in the home and with everybody. So yeah. you, can't, you can't always have it your way. 
I hope you're enjoying this episode with Kiriana, talking about liturgical living, talking about ordering a family to faith. And in the next half of the episode, we're going to talk specifically about how the saints can really help us do that and their stories can help anchor us. You can find this episode along with all the other content that we've created over at AveMariaPress.com. We hope you sign up for the emails to get everything that we've created for you, and I think you'll really enjoy it. Okay, back to the show. Well, I can I can test testimony for a second about last year in our new home for the first time, first holiday really in the house. I was like, we're decorating for Christmas the day after Thanksgiving because I I was traveling a lot. So I was like, I'm mm-hmm. going to Australia for a week. I want to be able to enjoy this before right. I get back and I'm jet lagged. And I, I regretted it. It was like by December 14th, I was over it. I was over having a tree. Just like you said, like you kind of, you, you get burned out on the, the mm-hmm. feasting because you haven't actually prepared your heart well. Right. Um, I think right. this is something that a bunch of saints in heaven are probably like nodding along. Like, yep, we did that. Or we, yeah. you know, with the liturgical <laughs> living, it helps you to focus your mind and your heart on Christ in the day to day, which, which is part of our, our journey to holiness, which is what we're called to be. And, and the saints in heaven accomplished this. So I want to pivot for a second and ask you about patron saints, because I think that mm-hmm. that kind of like ties in perfectly with liturgical living about bringing our patron saints into our family life. So tell me a little bit about how the saints factor into your family and into your faith. All right. Well, we look at our, our saints just as, as, as friends. And it's one where, you know, if we, as, as a family, we do celebrate everyone's uh, patron saint peace day. So we always say that every kid has uh, three special days. So they yeah. have their birthday, they have their baptism day, and then they have their patron saint day. And then, you know, uh, since our old, we have not had anyone confirmed yet, you know, that would become an extra day with yeah. their, celebrate their confirmation day. But um, we celebrate their, their patron saint day. And, and the way we do it is that everyone, they have to just do a small presentation on their saint. And it's, it could be, you know, for the little, for the little kids, it's, you know, maybe one, one line, you know, tell us about your saint, who is your saint and what do you yeah. know about them? So it does kind of in, it encourages this, this extra learning. And then as they get older, they have to, you know, share a little bit more. Plus it helps them to become better public speakers. And yeah. it's when we really want to have eloquent children and children that are not afraid to, to speak and, and yeah. don't have any trouble speaking out loud. But I like one one thing that I love about our saints is that we they are not perfect people by any stretch of the imagination, but right. they are people perfected, and I think that is something Ooh, that is really that. hard to to, rem, to to kind of keep in mind because we look at our saints like you know they're 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 they have done all these amazing things, but we remember we have to remember that they are also human. And I was talking to a, a friend who's not Catholic about St. Jerome the other day. And she's like, but so he was, you know, he struggled with, with anger and he, he was grouchy. And so how does he, how does that make him a saint? I'm like, well, it, he's a saint because he's been perfected in Christ, not because he was perfect. And she's like, I might need to get to know this man. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's one of my go-tos when I'm starting to lose my temper for yeah. sure. Oh yeah. I mean, and there are times you wish you could go and like hide out in a cave and <laughs> stay yeah, away just but... read scripture all day long with a lion's right. head next to with you. Yeah. Lion, yeah. <laughs> um, and so we look at our saints, just, you know, they're, they're, they're friends or people we can turn to that have, that have gone through. And it's like, you know what, you, you've been here. What, you know, what can I do? And sometimes it's just that, that, that comfort and being able to turn and say, you know what, you've been here, you got through it. So I'm going to get through it too. Yeah. And so we have just, you know, I know I have a whole litany of saints. And actually, we have a litany of saints on our wall um, that is right by our front door that we can see. You know, these are the saints that that are that, you know, our family has mm-hmm. kind of picked as part of our our larger family. But I look at when I look at my list of, of saints of, you know, who do I turn to? A lot of them are Carmelites, <laughs> which I guess makes sense. That's and a I, theme of this season. You are the yeah, third person really? to say a Carmel. <laughs> I'm, I'm telling you, they are after me. Yeah, the Carmelites are huge. And I think it's because of the combination of, you know, contemplative prayer, but it's also very service focused. Yeah. And um, I just recently this season discovered the the Bridgetine Carmelite Rosary. Have you ever, have you heard of this? No, no. This is beautiful. Um, and it's one where St. Saint, Saint Teresa of Avila, she, she found out about this and... <clears throat> 
And you can pray it on a regular Dominican rosary. And by the way, I found out that that, that the five decade rosary is called a Dominican rosary. So yeah. this is, again, I love being Catholic because you're always finding out something new. You're learning like, stuff. Yeah. You're learning stuff all the time. So you can pray it on a five decade rosary, but you have to kind of remember um, you're adding a, an additional decade. And so the Bridgettine uh, Carmelite rosary adds an additional uh, mystery for each of the, in each of the groups. And so for the joyous mysteries, you're adding a contemplation about the Immaculate Conception before you go into the Annunciation. Um, For the Sorrowful Mysteries, at the end, after the crucifixion, you contemplate the Pieta, which I think is beautiful. And Mm -hmm. it's like, that's heart rendering. Um, For the Luminous Mysteries, you start out by contemplating Christ being obedient to his parents, Mm -hmm. um, which is that that gap time between finding the child in the temple and then the beginning of his ministry. And then for glorious mysteries, uh, you you contemplate um, Our Lady of Mount Carmel at the end, and so I I just love I've so I've been praying this rosary this season, and it's just it's so wonderful to it's and it's wonderful. It's also hard because you've got to remember you're adding an extra date right. in there, but just another another means to really dive into prayer and to focus on these you know wonderful events in our Lord's life, and I think talking with another friend is saints also remind us that that salvation is not the stopping point right we we know that once we have you know become once we have accepted christ and we have been baptized and that we have you know entered into this new life that's not the end right we're still working we're still working towards sanctification and that is what really encourages us to keep going even when things are really hard because every day you wake up and you have to make another conversion of heart. Mm-hmm. Am I continuing on this road or am I going to just give up and go back? Because yeah. it's so much easier to go back and to not be part of this crazy, you know, Christian Catholic life. Right, right. It is so much easier to be in the secular world and just doing and going with the flow. It's so much easier to go with all those fish downstream than it is to be that one fish saying, you know what? No, I'm going against it. Yeah. And so every day when you wake up, you're making that choice. Am I going to serve God today or am I going to serve myself? Yeah. And it's, and it's hard. I mean, sometimes it's as hard as, and, and there are days where you start out by saying, I'm going to serve myself. And that's when, you know, when, when the alarm clock goes off and you look at it and you're like, all right, five more minutes, Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, and it's one, I mean, one thing that I would love to do at some point in my life, um, St. Jose Maria Escriva has his, in his way, which by the way, I would encourage anyone to pick that up because yes. I thought this was going to be like a huge, like, you know, paragraphs long essays. They are one liners yeah, they're and nuggets. they're one liners. Yeah. They're perfect. But he has his, his heroic minute. And it's, it's so simple. It's the idea of, when your alarm goes off, you get out of bed. <laughs> yeah, you just do it. And, yeah. and how hard is that? I mean, I have done, I've gotten out of bed and run to the restroom and then gone back to bed. Got back into bed. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I was, I mean, and I was pregnant, so I'm going to give myself some leeway. Yeah, you got some that, grace like, there. You got a lot like, of grace Between there. like the five and six o'clock hour when my husband would wake up to go shower, I would wake up, but I would just roll over and stare at my phone for like the first hour and a half of the day. No, I'm waking mm-hmm. up slow. And it's like, and then you get out of bed and the day is gone. And Jose right. Escriva was hugely influential for me in college with that idea of these nuggets of wisdom. I got to pray at his tomb in Rome oh, multiple wow. times when I, I studied there with UD. Uh, mm-hmm. And there's just such solace in knowing that like he, he gave us the way. Like he really right. did give some great advice mm-hmm. on what to do in the everyday. Um, right. Who else are you inspired by? Like what other saints does your family turn to? Who's in that litany that you've got that on the wall? Yeah. So there's like I said, there's a, there's a lot of Carmelites in there. <laughs> so um, we, we, we really love uh, St. Teresa Lisieux. I mean, and again, t- tying it away, tying it together with St. Jose Maria and this idea of, you know, her, her little way, the little, the mm-hmm. little acts that you do to make someone else's life that much easier. Yeah. And so with the kids, it can be, you know, maybe you pick up your sibling's shoes that are in the hallway and you put them away from them, or you, you know, you let, you know, you, oftentimes there's squabbles over, you know, the, over the TV. We have, we have one TV in our house um, and we, you know, we don't allow TVs or devices in bedrooms at all. Um, and so sometimes it means you're giving up your, mm. your allotted TV time to your siblings so they can mm. do something else. Um, so those little things, those little acts of charity that, 
can easily make the lives around you a little bit more comfortable. And I think mm. it's instilling this idea of, of giving of self to make someone's life a little bit more comfortable is something that's really hard for us to do because we like our comfort and we like what we yeah. have. And to say, I'm going to give up a little bit of my comfort to help that person out is, it, that's what Christ is calling us to do. Right. Um, I love, so we, we, our fourth uh, child is named Edith and she is named after uh, St. Edith Stein, uh, Teresa Benedicta of the cross. Um, and it's funny. I mean, I, I love her because she, she came, not only is she a, a convert herself, she converted from Judaism, but she also has this intelligence about the, her methodology. And so, you know, some people, we make a conversion by heart. You just feel, you know what, I, I'm called to the Catholic Church or I'm called to Christ. I'm, I'm going to go. It's my, my heart's being pulled. For her, it was more of an intellectual. Mm-hmm. And once all those pieces fell into place, she's like, boom, I, I got to be Catholic. This, this is the way I've got to go. It makes sense. It makes sense. But I also love how she really is a champion for... Uh, for the feminine genius and mm-hmm. this and I think we sometimes forget that we are made male and female to be complementary to each other and so I as female am not going to be the same as my husband but I am going to complement him perfectly and he as male is not going to be the same as me but he's going to complement me perfectly and that we are made for that contemplation and when things are that complement complementary uh, nature and when things work well you know when you have two complementary colors things work very well it looks mm-hmm. very lovely um and so i this idea of the feminine genius and and that we are you know built we are all built perfectly we're all made in the image of god for a specific purpose and that when we are following that purpose that's when we get that that beautiful harmony yeah um i love i've been reading through uh the spiritual castle by saint Teresa of avila and yeah. This is, this is a hard read um, yeah. <laughs> because you just see the level of her, of her, you know, her thought process and her, just the mysticism in there and this, this, you know, the belief. And I, it's, it t- it's taking a while, but I, I, that's what I like about her is that she has that more, that metaphysical idea of, of Christianity. That's like, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, we're not just here on earth, but what else is there? What other, you know, methodologies come in there? Um, so there's just a, a kind of those, those, that's my, my, my Carmelite trifecta there. Your squad. Yeah. <laughs> well, we squad, all have yes. them. Yeah. Like we all have yeah. the people that we invoke their name. I mean, St. Zaley has been my frequent yeah. invocation in during all of the pandemic because she raised strong-willed girls. Oh yes. And I've yes. got a three-year-old who has a lot of opinions. And so it's like, uh, Zaley, what did you do with your Therese? Right, what do I do now? Send me some, send me some help. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's that, it's that feeling of like, of the peace of, all right, I, I can do this. Yeah. Um, you know, St. Monica is a great one for, for just perseverance. So, um, my, my husband, he, he did grow up Catholic, but I would say it's more of a, you know, more of a nominal or kind of, they, they would go to mass, you know, here and there, like most, I think most American Catholics, especially in the eighties and nineties. Um, and so I know early in our marriage, I was just zealous. I was on fire for our faith and I wanted him to be there too. And it was so telling that one day he said, the more that you push at me, the less I want to have to do with this faith. And it was like, oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. And you, I mean, I sleep in. Yeah. Yeah. I needed that whole like slap in the face. And then that's when I really started to turn to St. Monica because I look at her and, you know, her prayers are what really influenced St. Augustine. I mean, granted, it was his mother. And you can't, I mean, who can really, you know, look at their mother crying and not be like, all right, I need to change something. Fine. But yeah. to know that, you know, she had that lifelong perseverance of just, you know, I'm going to trust in the Lord. I'm going to give my prayers to him. I'm going to pray and it's all going to be good. And yeah. so that's, that has been a, she's been a, a huge role model for, for me of just, it's that, you know, steadfast perseverance and yeah. not, not giving up. So here at the end, I mean, everything you're saying is it's spot on, right? We, we invoke the saints to help us in our families who are trying to live liturgically. I mean, there's this huge connection of, we can't really be holy without some of these examples and guides who do you want to get to know more about maybe like who has been piquing your curiosity lately? Who do you want to maybe call upon more and hopefully the much more normal 2021 that's coming? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's a, that's a, a great, there's so many different ones. Um, and I think I would love to learn, you know, as, as being part of, of education and then getting into public speaking more, um, I would love to get to know um, St. Catherine Drexel a little bit more. Yeah. You know, she she really has, I think she, I mean, she's not only has a heart for for education, but also this heart for, you know, all the people around her and mm-hmm. that, you know, making, let's make the, the faith accessible to to everybody. And I think that's one thing that I, that would be wonderful for us to make. Let's not make Catholicism this, this lofty thing that no one can get to, because that's not what it is. Right. You know, it, our, our faith is a faith of love. It, the gospel is all about love and it's not about checking off the right boxes or or meeting the sta- these standards set by man it is a gospel of love and of giving and i think you know to really get back into that you know how can i really give and how can i really help my neighbor you know more than i help myself um i i love it's funny i, I we often think we often think about you know saint peter as being you know just the first pope and having the king's keys to the kingdom but he's also great as far as if you're kind of like me and you sometimes say the wrong thing at the wrong time um <laughs> being able to you know ask for his intercession to make sure that you're you know that you're tempering your your speech every so often and you know and and it's keeping it more uh not really charitable because he just really sometimes said silly things yeah. and he's like yeah oh, and ask dumb that. questions yeah dumb questions and so to and maybe to be to be okay with asking dumb questions and to not fear being rebuked and i think right. sometimes we have a fear of of being rebuked or even being wrong and you know look at how saint peter was wrong <laughs> on a you know, huge thing you know no jesus i'm not going to deny you and jesus is like yeah you are going to deny me no i'm not going to deny you yeah you are going to deny <laughs> yeah me. i'm telling you this why are I you know. arguing with me i know everything why are you arguing with me <laughs> yeah but to, to have that um that humility to say you know what i was wrong and to that is a hard thing i think to admit you know when you are wrong um, I, well, I, I'm actually going to a, a peg doll exchange uh, tomorrow. I think I think it's tomorrow night. I got to look at my calendar. But um, the the saint that we picked for our family, so we we painted little peg dolls. We picked uh, Saint Isidore Bacanda, um, mm-hmm. and or sorry, blessed, but he's not saint yet. He's blessed, uh, blessed Isidore Bacanda, because uh, he's his steadfast faith. You know, he was he was an African uh, martyr. And he wore the brown scapular. So there's our, you know, there's our Carmelite connection again. (laughs) And he was basically beaten because he refused to renounce his faith, refused to remove the brown scapular. And then on his deathbed, as he's dying from his injuries, he forgives the person who did it. He forgives the- I've never heard of him. The overseer. Oh yeah, he's he's wonderful. Great, a great story. Young guy. And he's more of a modern saint. He's a a more of a modern saint. Yeah. So, um, and it's then endless. Also, there's, it all, there's just lists and lists of there people to lists. get to know. Yes. And then the other, I think the last one that it's, it, I will have to talk about her because I do have a third, a third degree connection to her, um, is, uh, is, uh, sister Thea Bowman. Mm. Um, my, so I'm from Wisconsin, as I, as I mentioned, and she did a lot of studying in the lacrosse area with uh, mm-hmm. lacrosse La and the, the Viterbo University. And my aunt went to the University of Wisconsin at lacrosse. And so she was friends with somebody who actually studied under oh, wow. Sister Fia Bowman. So yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. I, it's really good. So not only did I have, you know, that third degree connection, but also just how she encouraged people of all you know all colors and of all races and of all backgrounds to you know, that we that there is a space in the catholic church for yeah. all of us oh, yeah. and this really this this connection and she's got a huge connection with uh spiritual music and yeah. you know growing up in the baptist church we sung a lot of mm-hmm. uh black spirituals and you know even now when i hear you know sometimes we'll sing wade in the water um here at you know during mass it doesn't have the quite the same feel or the same <laughs> cadence that you would you know in, maybe in a southern church or in a black church but you know that's still there you know or even you know go tell in the mountain can seem yeah. a, a little stiff sometimes but you know and it's we're, we're, we're getting there so you know the fact that we do have these black spirituals that are part of our yeah. you know our our liturgical musical uh, music can, um canon just shows you know how there is a, truly a place for everyone at the table her video of her um getting the bishops to sing at the conference yeah. meeting is one of my absolute favorites and i hope like 
you know, when she's canonized, potentially in our lifetime, uh, yeah. that that video goes viral many, many <laughs> times over of these, you know, not that bishops are stiff, but sometimes they're kind of stiff like, and you've got this right. dynamic, yes, no. beautiful black woman standing in front of them saying, no, 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 come on, stand up, raise get your up, voices. Yeah. Uh, she, she's dynamo. We actually have an episode in the season with Father Robert Boxy, who's on her commission uh, mm-hmm. for the canonization cause. Like he's part of the work that's compiling okay. all of the all of the research. And that was a, that was a fun interview That's wonderful. Uh, just to yeah, learn I, more about her. Uh, yeah, and, I, and I love how she, you know, for her, it was prayer was not just, you know, it was not just contemplative. It was a whole person. So like, you yeah. know, and I, there's just, yeah, this being able to, you know, stand and pray with your whole person versus just, you know, yeah. quietly at your desk. Yeah. She's, She's a favorite. Well, Kariana, thanks for joining us on the show. Where can we find out more about you and what you're doing? Hire you to speak, you know, in COVID and non-COVID times? Sure. You can uh, visit my website. You can find me at uh, karianafry.com. That's F-R-E-Y. It looks like Frey, but it sounds like Fry. Um, <laughs> you can find me there. I'm also very active on Instagram. Uh, my handle is at uh, karianafry. That's it. Because <laughs> yeah. there's no comment at the end. But yeah, so uh, Instagram's probably the best place to reach out. Um, and oh. then also, you know, go ahead and visit my website. You can sign up for my soon to start newsletter. And awesome. I'm also just really glad to just chat with you about whatever. Yeah. Well, hey, we connected on Instagram. Um, yeah. And I, thanks for saying yes to coming on the show. We'll have all that down in the show notes. Thanks for your time. Thanks so much for having me, Katie. It was wonderful. <laughs> Kariana and I recorded this episode on a Saturday morning because that's what worked with our schedule, juggling kids and work and the whole nine yards of family life. And when we hung up on the call, I went into the closet in my office and pulled out our Advent wreath because her talking about Advent, it was on my mind. I wanted to, you know, pay attention to it a little bit for a second, pulled out the Advent wreath, made sure we had it at the ready for the end of November, right after Thanksgiving is done, and we, we launched into the Advent season. And then I, I pulled this little prayer card that we have of St. Rose of Lima that uh, an artist friend of mine here in town custom painted for my daughter. I have it in my office. And I put it in a little four by six frame that I found in the closet and I went and I put it in my daughter's room. Now she has other images of St. Rose of Lima in there, but for some reason, just after this conversation with Kariana, I wanted her to also have that image because there's just something profound about our kids having a saint, our family having a saint, our lives being ordered to the rhythms of the church and our focus on our pursuit of holiness, not just going through the motions of day-to-day life but sanctifying the day-to-day life, which is what the saints did, which is perhaps why they are saints. You can learn more about the saints and hear other incredible conversations and read articles and look at the the videos that we've created over at AveMariaPress.com. You can find everything we've created for this series on the saints over there. You can sign up for the emails. We've got two more weeks of content coming. Next week, we've got some really incredible guests, um, Gloria Purvis and Father Robert Boxy coming on the podcast to talk about diversity in the life of the church. And then the following week, we have two excellent conversations with Lisa Hendy and Father David Marcham about Father Patrick Payton and about how to talk to our kids and teach our kids about becoming saints. I really think you'd enjoy all of that, so make sure that you're subscribed to this podcast so you don't miss any episodes. And of course, as always, we'd be grateful for a rating and a review so that other folks can find the show. You know, here at Ave Explorers, we want to have real conversations and tell real stories with real people who are really living their faith, and I think we're doing that. We'd be grateful if you'd share this podcast, share this episode with other people, because we think that it could help everyone grow in their faith and grow to love Jesus Christ. We're grateful that you listened today. We're grateful for any help that you can give us in getting the show out there to more folks. And of course, go over to AveMariaPress.com to sign up to receive all this content right to your email inbox. We'll see you next week. 